Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like the show, rate, review, subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. We'd appreciate it. And folks, we're running out of ways to say this. For God's sakes, please tell someone about this show. What what weird way can Steve ask you to explain and share the show this week on on Lamestream? It's always interesting to figure out how you're going to say it. You just, just went right at it. You just admitted I'm just it. begging now. That's 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 it. But we are not above shilling, begging, all of those things. We might start bribing people. It, who knows? We'll we'll do all those things. Josh Ward on the show today. One of my um one of my favorite media personalities in the state of Tennessee. Not a Nashvilleian, but hosts a show middays on WNML in Knoxville has been going to SEC Media Days since he was literally a teenager in high school. So I thought, you know what? Who better to explain the evolution of the last 20 years of the SEC Media Days event than Josh Ward? He'll also dive into a little bit about the Knoxville media market and what they care about. So we'll have a great conversation with Josh Ward coming up uh, in just a few minutes. We'll also give you a little history of the event of of SEC Media Days as well here on the front end. First... Lamestream Sports is brought to you by... You're going to make me do it? Jaspers. <laughs> <laughs> that's, exa- that's actually exactly how you're supposed to share the show with your, with your closest friends and family and neighbors. You're supposed Whispering to- closely into <laughs> their ear. <laughs> In a really not creepy way at all. Go to Jaspers, of course. The parking is... Absolutely free. 100% free. It couldn't be more free if it tried. The food is also... Not not free, by the way. <laughs> the fruit is not free. The food is fantastic. It is, of course, the next evolution of the sports bar. There is no questioning that as they are now evolving their menu as we record this. They're, they're coming up with new menu items for, of course, the fall season. They've got all the boozy popsicles right now on the menu. They're just kind of constantly creating new ways to get you drunk at Jasper's. So drive responsibly, park responsibly, drink responsibly. Parking is free. Eat responsibly. Take an Uber. <laughs> parking is free take an uber go to jasper's it's a great place to to go eat and watch sporting events that's and park your car for free all right sec media days josh ward will join us coming up in a few minutes he will give us sort of his like sort of the goals what he was trying to accomplish each time he was there he's been as a producer he's been as a host um he'll sort of explain the layout a little bit and sort of how it's evolved and changed and Maybe tell a couple of Fulmer stories, maybe as well. Uh, I, <laughs> mixed I, in there. I have no, I have no desire to go to media days. You sound like you miss media days a little bit. I, I so this is this is part of what we're going to talk about this this on this episode, which is sort of I, I miss what media days can be. I do not miss what media days is for most people, and Josh will explain that sort of that 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 evolution. It, it began. And this is a great way to sort of explain the beginning of the event itself, because I've had plenty of really fun and you weird, bizarre and unique and memorable experiences at media days, but I sort of experienced it different than a lot of people do. It used to be literally a plane with writers flying around the sec from town to town, to town, to town, interviewing coaches. It's insane to think about pre 1985 that all the media were just flown around to visit all these coaches. And then you'd spend hours with them. You'd probably get drunk with them. Like it just was in 1985, it was moved to Birmingham permanently. There was there was like a hundred people there. I, I just don't think people understand how small it was for so long and how intimate it was for so long. What's the biggest thing you've ever seen at Media Days? Is it Spurrier? Spurrier is probably the most interesting thing you've ever seen at Media Days. 
and I actually think if you look at the history of the event in 1985, it gets moved to Hoover and, and it grows and grows and grows in 1990, Steve Spurrier comes to the sec and he sort of elevated the everything, right? Like he elevated the personality. He elevated the interest level. A lot of the UT rivalries, like the great quotes come out in media days. I think is, isn't the, you, you can't spell citrus without UT yep. quote. Yep. Uh, that came out of media days. Yep. And then at South Carolina, when he was at South Carolina, much, much, much later, like 30 years later, he he's the guy who left Tim Tebow off of the ballot for first team, you know, for all SEC quarterback, um, which, of course, isn't really that big of a deal. But it's it is it was it was so controversial because every single coach got asked about it. Spurrier elevated the, the event and actually the SEC copied the Big Ten when they launched the event itself, putting it in one place, then they decided, no, we're going to be bigger, badder, and better than everybody else. So we're going to make it, you know, we're going to go earlier than everybody. Now it's on TV and now you've got four days of it. Spurrier, the first time I was in a room with Spurrier, it was the first time I felt like, like, oh, this is different. Like you just know when you're in the room with Steve Spurrier and it was a smaller room. It wasn't the main ballroom. And I actually asked him a question and I was like shaking when I did it because I was like 25 years old. And I was like, I can't believe I'm talking to Steve Spurrier. Like he elevated the entire thing. Tebow and Manziel and Josh will talk a little bit about this as well. Tebow and Manziel, just the, the paparazzi level Kardashian style treatment of, of Johnny Manziel and Tim Tebow are, are two things I've just never seen before. Like I've never seen that in, in person for anybody. And- and and Josh and again not to preempt Josh here, but Josh mentions this a little bit too. You know something we lose about Manzel is, you know what a flame out. Every, everybody thinks of Manzel as this flame out in the NFL, and he was personal problems and whatever else. But Johnny Football at Texas A and M was such a huge phenomenon. It, it, it's weird that it kind of it kind of you know burned super hot for two years and then and then was gone that it really was just like the biggest thing, the biggest thing in college football. I think my favorite moment from SEC media days, again, my first one was like, Oh six, I think maybe. And I've probably gone, I don't know, 12 or 13 times, not every single year, but most years. And my favorite one was, was Vanderbilt head coach, interim head coach, Robbie Caldwell, <laughs> who, who literally like got a standing ovation from the media, which had literally has, I don't think I've ever seen before. He had, he had to be ushered off the stage because there was no more time. Like he just kept going. He went for 42 minutes and the, and the media loved him so much. This is where he talked about his first job was inseminating turkeys. Everybody loved him. And he, and he is genuinely such a lovable guy because Bobby Johnson had retired really, really late in the summer. So he just got the job and showed up at media days, like randomly and was the head coach at Vanderbilt. And everybody fell in love with Robbie Caldwell. Um, I was at the bar one, one evening and Derek Mason was, I was talking with Derek Mason and he could not like the bartender. I don't think the bartender realized he was an sec head football coach. And th- it was like East Nashville service. It took forever. And I was like, what's, I was like, what's, oh, I was like, what's going on? Get this guy. Th- this guy just wants a sandwich and a beer. Like, let's get this guy some food. And uh, so that, that was another one where like the bartender clearly didn't recognize that there was an sec football coach waiting on service, <laughs> which, which I thought was a little weird. Tim Tebow being asked about his sexuality is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen, of course. Um, but the stars of the show are the players, Steve. I mean, the player, the, the ones that I am most impressed with are the, the the players for sure. And 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 so we're taping this here on we're taping this here on Wednesday. UT was yesterday. You mentioned this in the 440 Daily today. It's nice to hear an adult in the room and Josh Heupel. But I, I thought, uh, you know, I, I was I was 
wanting to hear from Tennessee's players yesterday. And, and it was, and it was, it was fun to hear their voices kind of in the wake of such like a turbulent postseason, and to hear kind of how hyped up they were uh, about Hypel and, and just kind of their excitement for the season. And that, that gave me a lot of relief <laughs> as a Tennessee, as a, as a longtime Tennessee fan. I don't know. Just, just wait till the games happen. It'll all come back. Um, <laughs> I, I, the players, though, I'm telling you, man. Like, I could I, the, the the list is very long of players that I could just rattle off and be and you would and people would just be blown away at the the things that these guys are interested in, their, their personalities, how thoughtful they are, how you know. Obviously, you're bringing the best guys you have to media days to sort of represent your university. Like Andrew Thomas at Georgia talked about like music theory. You know, like da- Damian Harris at Alabama was literally one of the smartest human beings I've ever talked to. Foster Moreau at LSU was a tight end who I, I think I think he's actually made it in the NFL for a couple of years. I-, I literally looked at him at the end of the interview on the air and I was like, do you want Greg Sankey's job? Do you want Ed Orgeron's job or do you want to be the governor <laughs> of Louisiana? Because I think you could take your pick. And yeah. he and he kind of laughed. And it's it's just these kids are amazing. Malcolm Mitchell, wide receiver at Georgia, told a story about how he went to Georgia at an eighth grade reading level and left as a published children's book author. And that is higher education in this country at its finest while also playing wide receiver in the sec. (laughs) Like it's just, these kids are amazing. And I, you know, the Vanderbilt kids launching on campus, you know, activism events and and community events. It's just, these kids are amazing. They really are. I I hope that doesn't get lost in the circus that media days has become because, and, and and some of this is inevitable when you have your own TV network, it's going to become more and more of a spectacle. And and I said this selfishly as a media member, you know, you do everything you you can to get access uh, to players in part because they're the most interesting thing. You you can talk X's and O's with coaches and assistants and write enough of those stories. But I mean, really what it all boils down to is the players and we, we get less and less access to them. And the, the growth of media days means that you, you're not getting any more access to those players uh, in, in some ways. I, I think the, the spectacle of it all means that it, it gets packaged for broadcast partners much more than it does you know, gives gives opportunities for for journalists to have a, a, you know a, a, a just a just a one-on-one conversation with some of these kids around 2010 is when it reached a thousand accredited media members and it grew to about 1600 obviously covid last year and this year's one has been restricted but you're probably talking about they, they will literally they literally intentionally try to credential anybody that's possible because they want it to be the biggest Nick Saban's dog <laughs> right which actually, I, strangely, I think in this, the story is Nick Saban's dog actually got loose in the hotel the same the same day, I believe, that Philip Fulmer was was being subpoenaed and had to do media days from a telephone. So, so <laughs> just like the the strangest things, being in the lobby for Alabama Day is one of the strangest things. Josh will talk about that too. The event itself has evolved to this big, massive spectacle on purpose, but it has eliminated the actual content. The, the content itself has changed and writers are not able to get the same. And this is just what's happened. And this is not just a, a media days event, right, Steve? I mean, this. No, it's endemic of the whole industry. And why wouldn't the preseason event turn into the same thing that, you know, the rest of the season has turned into? 
I, we know that there's a fine line between too much access and being too close to your subjects, but not th- this is the opposite direction. <laughs> right. This is way too far in the other direction. All right. So we'll have some recommendations unless you've got anything else here for the folks, Steve, uh, Steve Cavendish at S Cavendish on Twitter. No, I'm only going to say one thing, and this is this has nothing to do with media days, uh, but there was a Channel 5 story out yesterday kind of giving air to Major League Baseball in Nashville. Oh, and, and, touchy and, subject for you. I mean, I, I'm going to beat this thing like a rented mule. I, I, it, it is irresponsible to write a story because the city is mentioned in some someplace else when it's obvious that Major League Baseball are, is using cities in order to leverage stadium deals out of local markets. The Oakland A's are, are, are currently in a uh, currently in talks with city of Oakland and, and the Alameda County. And it's, it's a huge, it's a multi-billion dollar deal. The stadium will be part of it. And they're, they're going back and forth over, over this and major league baseball and Rob Manfred keep floating, keep floating Nashville's name out there. Mind you, they don't even float Nashville first. Nashville is like, <laughs> oh, and we've and we've got another option of if if Vegas is not is not the, the true destination here. Or, or, We're not going or, to Vegas. or Portland or Montreal right, or right. we could go to we could go to Nashville. And so Channel 5 picked this story up. The I don't know the the sports producer who wrote it, but don't do this. You you don't have to. You do not have to write this story. You do not have to do Major League Baseball's work for them. You do not have to try to create leverage in other in other markets simply because Rob Manfred opened his mouth and mentioned Nashville. And that's all this is. The Oakland A's, at the end of the day, are going to be the Oakland A's. I, I, would, I would put money on it right now. Hmm, okay. I would have put money on Vegas, actually. Well, and, and that's the second thing I was going to say. If they're not going to be the Oakland A's, come on down to your Las Vegas athletics. I mean, and watch what, the Raiders and watch the Raiders while you're at it. Watch the Raiders. You know, it, it is it is <laughs> maddening to me that, that, that these stories keep getting written and they keep getting written with things like, well, there's some really pretty renderings of a of a Riverside Stadium here in Nashville. Ir- I mean, just 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 irresponsible. <laughs> it's irresponsible to not like look at the land use issues that are involved here. Nobody owns the land. Okay, they don't have the place. You could build the damn stadium. There's actual steam coming out of his ears right now. I'm going to um, shut up now. I'm a, I'm a broken <laughs> record on this. And, and 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 if you see me ranting about this on Twitter, I, I apologize in advance. But for Christ's sakes, in, in, until there is some kind of real resolution, which is like Music City Baseball gets a billionaire attached to it, or they announce that they're going to do some sort of like Titans stadium re, uh, you know redevelopment and also build a baseball stadium there and by the way if you thought the fight over the soccer stadium <laughs> where nashville taxpayers are paying almost nothing on it and major league baseball is trying is currently trying to get 800 million dollars out of the city of oakland if you think they're going to try to they're going to come to nashville and get 800 million dollars out of nashville they are sadly sadly mistaken which half of this non-story story bothers you the most the half that that Oakland is and the major league baseball is leveraging us or, or that music city baseball with a bunch of celebrities, which is basically a, a, a straw man, you know, right now for, for major league baseball coming to Nashville, which one bothers you the most, which half of that on this, on this one, it, it's the, it, it's, it's writing the, the Nashville could be a candidate here. I mean, which it's, it, which it's not it, really, it is transparently obvious <laughs> that they are leveraging Nashville passed. and Las Vegas against Oakland. 
And if we as journalists don't have that minor, it is a it is such a low bar. I mean, our bullshit detectors should be tuned to this by now, and they're not. Hmm. Or there's somebody's just looking for clicks. At which case, if you wrote this, if you wrote this story thinking, oh, I'm gonna get a few clicks on this. Screw you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wow. I just don't, don't do it. Don't do it. I, sh- I shouldn't have asked. I apologize to all the listeners out there. I should, I should not have asked. That was a lot of fun for me to watch you do that though. <laughs> so you're welcome. Uh, um, there you go. Don't write the story. Don't click on it. Don't read it. Baseball's not coming to town until, until Steve tells you, <laughs> right? <laughs> when Steve tells you that you can be interested in baseball, I'll be, I'll be standing. You'll by. know, <laughs> you'll know. Uh, all right. So Josh Ward from WNML radio host, uh, launched that, that, uh, helped launch that, that station in Knoxville a long time ago. I actually worked with him a lot. He taught me a lot about the radio business when I was uh, just getting out of college and, uh, is a guy that I've looked up to and admire for his work for a long time. And he's been going to media day since he was a teenager. So here was our conversation about the evolution of sec media days, the goals and all the great stuff included in talking season with Josh Ward from WNML in Knoxville. Josh, great to see you, man. Welcome to the show. Uh, an out-of-market guest for Lamestream Sports. We do appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time. I know it's a crazy week. How are you, sir? Doing well. Out-of-market in-state, though, so we're still keeping it within the Tennessee family. Yeah, ex- exactly. It, it, there's not really a huge difference here. So Media Days is going on, and we thought we'd bring you on because you've been going to this event for two decades now, and it has changed a lot over the years. Um, first, before we get into that, sort of explain your personal career evolution from 02, your first trip to SEC Media Days, and maybe what your role was then versus all the different roles you've played going to the event since then. Yeah, I have played a few different roles at SEC Media Days and with the Sports Animal in Knoxville. So in 02, when I made my first trip to Media Days, I was essentially an intern. I was a part-time employee with uh, the Sports Animal, which it wasn't actually yet. It was just John and Jimmy doing the afternoon sports talk show on the news talk station in Knoxville. So they needed some extra help. So I was somebody that would help get guests on the show, get somebody to come over, a coach, a player, a media member to get them on the air while John and Jimmy were doing the show. So I I was a high school student still at the time. So getting to go to media days, wanting to be in the media in the future, which it was a really cool thing. So I was able to do that my first time, and I think I made one, maybe two more trips as a non-host, and then after that, started hosting shows full-time in 2008, so I've been a number of times, probably 10-plus, as a host on Sports 180, the midday show I do now, leading into John and Jimmy. Give, give people an idea of how Media Days has has grown, because it, 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 it seems like every year, something about it is bigger. Yeah, well, it, it just means more in the SEC. I think it, it meant more year by year to get more credentialed media into the event. And not everybody's there all three or four days, which is what it grew to, I guess, when the SEC grew to 14 teams. But uh, it, I, I think it's largely become a television event with the ESPN SEC Network tie-in. I don't say that as a complaint. I just think that's the reality of it, that that's a lot of what's going on. And then you have the print aspect, people that are writing stories online, of course, and you have Radio Row, which is uh, my biggest role doing a show on Radio Row where it's lined up on each side all the way down the hallway into the um, into the outside of the the lobby area into the mall is essentially where people are doing the show. 
So um, it's a, it's a circus at times. If you have a Johnny Manziel, if you have a Tim Tebow, it's kind of out of control. But I think it's uh, I think it's number one kind of an ESPN SEC network CBS event as well, and, that, and that's going to be phased out, I guess, in the future. And then you get to the rest of the media trying to do their job throughout the week. So through all these different roles, uh, even as a high schooler now through your professional career, sort of try to give everybody what you were trying to accomplish going to the event because I think I I, I felt very naive going into my first media days. I thought I'm, you know, we're going to ask questions and we're going to get really poignant answers and we're going to write these great stories and do these awesome podcasts. And like, you know, you kind of go into it thinking, oh, okay, like journalism. What was your goal? Because again, you've had some different roles. Explain to people what you were trying to accomplish heading into each event, each of those different roles that you've had. Well, a lot of my focus was on radio. So my biggest focus was getting great guests and 2002, the 2000s, I think it was easier to get coaches and players from opposing teams. We want to get Tennessee coach and players on whenever we're there, which we typically have success doing. We're a station from Knoxville. We're the Vol Network flagship station. But we want to get coaches from around the SEC because it's it's the rare occasion where you can do that. And it used to be a lot easier. It used to be that schools would send their coaches and, and players for the most part through Radio Row, and they would stop by and they would try to do as many stations as possible and having Jimmy Himes on our station helped. He had a lot of connections in the SEC. So we probably had more fortune there than others. But uh, I, I wanted as much good conversation as possible, just like a writer's probably trying to get as many uh, quotes and interviews as possible to put out as many good stories. So mine was was largely radio-focused, interview guest-focused, so players, coaches, and media members. You know, It's people that often I'm calling, but are a rare occasion to actually have them sit down with us in person, which I just think makes I think makes a better conversation. So that still happens. The coach and player aspect has become harder to get done over the years. Yeah. How much of it is now media interviewing media on media on uh, radio row? <laughs> almost all of it. Yeah. <laughs> almost all of it. Uh, and yeah, I still think that can be good. I don't, I think that's better radio than what we're doing for the most part in May and June and part of July leading up to football season, if we're trying to talk football and it still makes it feel real and it's a part of an event, but yeah, it's, it's often media, talking to media, promoting other media. Uh, that's uh, a lot of what it's become. And it's less about what's going to happen on the field. I think this, the storylines that we have leading up to media days, it's like it's the final event of this week. For example, we've had a few months of name, image, likeness and transfer portal. And, and COVID obviously is, is more than a year, but all of those topics. So we just put all of that together in one big week. And then maybe we get to quarterback play or we get to who's going to start where, or what these coaches will be able to do on the field. That's, that's kind of secondary before we get to all the other topics that we as the collective media have been talk, talking about uh, from afar over the last several months. I was thinking about this because, because of all the name image likeness talk, I, I wonder if, if media days in the future is going to involve, is going to evolve into sort of this, uh, this sort of like rollout party, for for people signing deals or it'll be it'll be like you know like ces or something like that for like you know it's, it's like hey these quarterbacks have come to all announce their deals or the or the linemen have all come to announce you know x or y or z well i think that was one of the questions this week uh, the the closest we've gotten to that is just like who's the best dressed player uh who, who has the best looking suit who does something unique uh that and over the last few years it's been about fans who are there fans try to get their attention there's the the championship ring hat guy for Alabama right there was the painted dog for Auburn to make him look like a tiger but yeah for players uh, I actually am hoping I, you know not necessarily for name image likeness if they get their deals great I've, I've been in favor of that but 
I do hope this allows uh, more opportunity for players to be able to show their personality, because I think another part of this, one reason maybe they're not showing up on Radio Row as much, and it's from my own personal standpoint, is you you, you put a player, sit him down and give him a, a headset, and maybe they're afraid of what he's going to say when I think that's silly, but I think that's part of it. Maybe now the player is going to be able to have a little bit more ownership, not only of their name image likeness, but what they say as well. They, they can show their personality, which then in the end, if they have the personality, can get them the deals. Which is so funny because the, 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 the contract companies of which I have been a part in the past with Sirius XM. So, so generally, like you're talking about with Radio Row, it's sort of down on the main floor. You go up the escalator, you get to the main ballroom where they do where you see the Paul Feinbaum set and the main room in the backdrop. Then there's a bunch of small breakout rooms. But then there's the contractual companies, which are right. CBS, ESPN, Sirius XM sort of these three or four big companies that have their own rooms where like the other media used to be able to go, but now they can't. And, and they let those kids go in there. And I've been a part of the Sirius XM one plenty of times. They let those guys go in there and do 12 minute interviews because they're all contractually obligated. They, right. They're just scared of putting them down on radio row for God knows what reason. I always believe that they are the stars of the show. And even with name, image and likeness, I still think this was the one event where they got to, show the sort of creativity and the intelligence and the ambition and sort of, Oh, we're humans too. And like, we have interests outside of football. And I always found that they are the best part of this entire event. We'll talk about memorable moments and Phil Fulmer's subpoena and, you know, Tim Tebow and all this other stuff that's kind of makes it a, a circus. But I think in reality, the, the players are the best part of this event, spend time listening and talking and trying to hear what they are saying. And it sounds like you kind of agree with that. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and for the record, if, if Radio Row has been cost a little bit by all the contractual obligations, I have no issue with that. I, I understand those obligations that are there. And I, I'm, st I'm still asking people from CBS or SiriusXM or ESPN to come downstairs and come on my show. And they can sometimes pass along good stories from what they've heard from the coaches or players that week. So I still benefit from that. But uh, I totally agree with the players. I think so often, I know it's happened with Tennessee, and I imagine it's happened with a lot of schools out there. Coaches have wanted to restrict what access is there for their players when the players are the best people to speak on behalf of their program or their school. In some ways, it can, you can take it to recruiting if you want it to. If something, now things go viral, right? So if a player says something that goes viral and is uh, funny or, or whatever, is, it's positive, going out online, well, then recruits could end up seeing that because they're the ones on social media. I think coaches have had it backwards. They should have had more opportunity for the media to talk to their players because often it's the coaches who end up saying stuff that makes the school look bad. Again, I know that's been the case with Tennessee when the <laughs> players should have been the ones that are representing the school because they are the stars. They're the ones that the fans want to connect to for the most part. And they're the ones that can connect with future players if that's the thought of the coaches, which I think it often is. Are you suggesting Josh Dobbs should be answering questions and not Butch Jones? Is that what you're suggesting? You know, that could be a, a hypothetical uh, <laughs> idea that you would come up with. Yeah, J Jeremy Pruitt, uh, who would be better, Jeremy Pruitt or some of the players who had a little more or, uh, or any of his players or Trey Smith? Yeah, like yeah, anybody. Yeah, Trey Smith or, or Jeremy Pruitt. Who would you trust more? Uh, but or, or you could just remove the coach, remove the player. Who's more likely to show some personality? A young twenty to twenty-two year old who's having fun or the 50-year-old who's sitting watching film all day, every day, and that's his only focus. So allow that to be your focus, and then allow the players or assistant coaches in some cases, because I, I think they're great representatives, and 
And Jeremy Pruitt was a coach. I know I keep coming back to Tennessee, but he wanted to be his voice. And a lot of coaches are that way. If they're good at it, fine. But if not, they're actually going to hurt things for their program and for their fan base. And they're going to create a disconnect, not connection with the fans. As you mentioned, you guys have a, a connection because you're you're the, the Tennessee flagship. But for, for a lot of folks, Media Days is kind of squeezed out. It squeezed out a lot of print opportunities. I mean, it's just harder to go in and talk with coaches, talk with, talk with players, get 15 minutes alone with somebody, not in a scrum. It, was this inevitable when this became kind of a, a rights holders event as opposed to just sort of a, a publicize the, the SEC sort of event? Probably so. There's also just a ton of media. You know, yeah. So you have all these different rooms that are set up for ESPN or the SEC Network, everything that we just talked about. But even with the individual teams, you have so many media outlets that exist from online to print still, uh, you know, newspapers who are online as well, and then radio, TV, people that are there. So uh, it's just it's a big fight. Go into the print room where they have the players set up in three different spots, and you have at a time. I mean, if it's somebody that people really want to talk to, 15, 20, more than that people standing around the table of a player who's up on a platform. How much productive conversation is really going to take place there? You can get some good questions and individual answers, but in terms of back and forth, it's just not going to exist. There is no opportunity for something like that. The best chance is if it's a player that people really don't want to talk to. So people are there for maybe five minutes, people walk away, and then you can actually go up and having an, uh, an opportunity. So that's what I would recommend. If you're at media days and you see a player that nobody's talking to, go talk to that player because he's probably appreciative of somebody wanting to have a back and forth conversation. If you listen, you can ask some good follow-ups. But yeah, I, 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 to your question, yeah, I think it was inevitable. And I don't know that there's going to be much change. It's probably going to become more of what we've seen with it being a, a television event. And we have to slot this here and there and and uh, get everything out on time. So it, everything's on schedule. And if you try to break that schedule a little bit, like that's one thing I do, <laughs> I walk around with a, a portable recorder. And if I see a guy waiting to go into a room and I think he might have three minutes, I'll go up. And uh, a lot of times the sports info people are, are okay with, Hey, it, until he has to go in the room, you can talk to him and there's a chance to get some back and forth, but it's not easy. The, those opportunities are rare. One of the messages we've had on this show, I think routinely throughout a lot of our guests is go where other people are not <laughs> like that is, yeah. that's a, that's a great lesson. I think for young, young reporters. Lamestream sports is brought to you by. Yes, Jaspers serving you alcoholic popsicles that remind you of your childhood. Now, is it more like uh is it more like a bomb pop? Is it more like a uh like a, a flavor ice thing that you push up through the plastic packet? I mean, how, what's the structure of the boozy popsicle? So I have a couple of questions, uh, n- none of which are about how amazing the Boozy Popsicle is, because it is spectacular. I have tried it. It's very real, very spectacular. And they have the Frosé and the Cold Fashion. And I, at first I thought, you know what? The Frosé lends itself a little bit more flavor profile-wise to being a Popsicle, right? A little sweeter. You know, I could see that. I, I was like, okay, we'll see how this Old Fashioned, which is really a Cold Fashion now frozen in Popsicle form. Let's see how Super it, Cold Fashioned. Right, like a double extra Cold fashion. Let's see, although I do love a double cold fashion. So let, let's see how, how this works. And I was blown away. Life-altering experience of how wonderful it tasted. Was it just like your childhood? It, it was exactly like my childhood. 
My parents were terrible parents. Uh, I'm kidding. I love you, mom and dad. Um, what's interesting is it's. I think people think popsicle and they think about you know putting pouring you know into a mold and then putting the stick in and then freezing it. No, 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 no. This is a like a freeze pop, like where you'd slide it up from the bottom. You know how you get them in the multiple colors and see so you, you cut off the top and then you sort of can. It, it's much cleaner because it's contained in plastic wrap. Probably not as good for the environment, but whatever. It's okay. <laughs> we'll evolve past that soon enough. <laughs> Eventually, it was absolutely delicious. And I'm not just saying this because Jasper's pays us to say this. Like it, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say like you know, okay, I'm not a huge fan of the Frosé. I'm not, but the cold fashion, holy smokes, Rooney, it was spectacular. Here's my question for you: Do you eat a popsicle or do you drink a popsicle? What do you do? You eat a popsicle. What happens? It is a, so- it is a solid form of. It is a solid form of sustenance. What happens halfway through the popsicle when it's no longer solid? I mean, are your hands that warm that you're just like melting the popsicle? Well, no, I'm just, it's not a jello shot. So you don't like eat it all in one bite. Although maybe you, you probably could get a boozy brain freeze if you ate too many of them too fast, which is talk about a bad hangover. Um, (laughs) but, But no, like about halfway through, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's, you know, it melts at the bottom, which is sort of the fun and beauty of the freeze pop. I think you're still eating at that point. It's just at that point, it's still semi-solid. I mean, it hasn't like converted. You're not just going to pour it in a glass at that point. Do you eat a a Slurpee or drink a Slurpee? You drink a Slurpee. Yes, it's through a straw. These are the important things we discuss on Lamestream Sports. (laughs) (laughs) Solving the world's problems, like um, well, and 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 folks, it's it's going to be. 90 degrees with chances of thunder showers here for the for the foreseeable future. This is the this is what you want in the middle of the summer. Sitting on a pa- I'm I'm not even kidding about this. Like a cold beer is probably my favorite thing to have sitting on a patio. Like there's not like th- this might be better than a cold beer on a hot patio. Wow. That that is how like it is because it's hard to drink like whiskey or cocktails at noon when it's real hot outside or three in the afternoon or whatever when it's real hot outside. This is not hard to drink at all. Yeah, yeah the <laughs> only time I can do refreshing. that is like is like from a flask at Nayland Stadium. <laughs> oh wait, right. I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> well, it's, it's allowed. It's been allowed in the in the suites for for decades. You just weren't rich enough, Steve. Um, no, I was not. <laughs> so I, again, sit on a patio, couple boozy popsicles. Take the uh, heat off. Take the edge off. Feel pretty good. Maybe you have to leave your car there and Uber home, whatever. It's fantastic because it's free parking and the popsicles are amazing. So go to Jasper's. Jasper's, folks. Always Jasper's. So we talked about the size of this thing. It, it got to about 1,000 credentialed media members around 2010-ish. That would have been right after Tim Tebow, right before Texas A&M and Johnny Menzel got into town. And, and it's all been planned by the SEC. They, they wanted to credential Nick Saban's dog and, and make it like a circus. They want to be first in college football. They want to flex their muscle and show everybody. But in that process, all the things Steve just asked about are taking place, right? We're getting less and less and less content. G- give us some of your most memorable circus-like moments, because if, that all, it's that, if that's all this event is becoming, for the most part, well, then they better deliver some entertaining moments. What What are some of your favorite, most memorable circus-style performances from your 20 years of going? Well, uh, Tebow being there is a rock star. Uh, that There's no doubt about that. Um, Johnny Manziel, I would say the same thing. Johnny football hysteria, I think because it hasn't worked out for him in the NFL, what happened with his football career, 
forget how big of a deal Johnny Manziel was in the SEC, having won a Heisman and the excitement on the field. And then um, you had all the questions in that offseason after he'd won the Heisman heading into his next year. Uh, remember A.J. McCarron being asked about the Manning Passing Academy and him not wanting to talk about that. I wouldn't have wanted to either, but it was all the, the talk and the rage there at SEC Media Day. So a lot of it comes back to quarterbacks. I think if, if they're the star, then they are going to own the day and often own the week. Uh, Alabama being there and the Roll Tide fans filling up the, the lobby. Every, everybody waits until, especially now, uh, with, with your smartphone for Alabama Day so you can get your shot coming down the escalator of all the Alabama fans, and then you can tweet it out, put it on Instagram. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it used, they used to embrace the fun, though, I feel like. And you know, the, the coaches, uh, some years more than uh, others, you have coaches that have the personality and they embrace it. I think there's a chance we get back to that a little bit if Len Kiffin's staying in the SEC and Mike Leach is staying in the SEC, Sam Pittman in Arkansas. I think they could have some fun because it used to be you would look through the four days and say, okay, maybe this guy on this day, maybe that guy. But so much has been about trying to get in and get out without saying anything that's going to get a lot of attention. Spurrier was great. Steve Spurrier, of course, was as good as it got there at uh, SEC media days. Of that group, Kiffin and Leach, you, you, you think least likely to have a stick up their ass uh, for these, these sort of productions. Who's, who's kind of underrated? Who, who, who do you think might be sneaky good? Uh, I think Sam Pittman, uh, because he's at Arkansas, so Arkansas is not going to get as much attention, but he's shown the personality. Players loved him as an offensive line coach, and um, I think he's really comfortable. It's also year two for him as a head coach, so he's had the year under his belt as a head coach in the SEC and um, actually had a little bit of success compared to where Arkansas had been previously. Obviously, more is going to be expected, but uh, he would be my answer that's a little sneaky, but it, you know, it's a bunch of first-year coaches at media days because – we didn't have the event last year, so we didn't get the Kiffin-Leach um, debut. Kiffin's been once before as Tennessee's head coach. But, yeah, uh, Leach, there's just no telling where the conversation could go. So he could he could obviously have personality and he could have uh, a lot of things to say. There's just no telling exactly what it will end up being about. Uh, and with Kiffin, we can probably guess what it's all going to be about, uh, but he'll have fun with it. He, he's I think he's been better social media-wise at times than – uh, in a media days type stage, but he'll also be fine there compared to a lot of other coaches. Yeah. Lane Kiffin has a tough time removing himself from the darkest corners of the internet. Sometimes um, he just somehow ends up back there for, for whatever reasons, uh, give or take, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you one. And this is, we're recording this before it's happened. So yep. I'm going out, I'm going out on a limb here and maybe calling a shot. I think Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri is going to be very affable. I think he will go up there and people are going to be like, Who, who's this Missouri guy. And they're, they got a good quarterback. They got a good team. I think he's got some rah rah to his to his to his game a little bit. So I, I think Eli Drinkwitz he has recruiting is, buzz to talk about a little bit. So that'll make him yeah. feel a little more confident. Talk to us about uh, Philip Fulmer. What was what was Philip Fulmer in two thousand and four thinking? Not going to SEC Media Days, and uh, how did you guys in Knoxville cover that? And and because I know how Alabama covered it. <laughs> how did people <laughs> How did people in Tennessee cover Philip Fulmer not going because of the NCAA investigation in 04? Yeah, and you have to go back to. Um, a time where, remember, this is Tennessee competing for championships. This is Tennessee being one of the biggest brands and biggest names in college football. And uh, it was very controversial at the time because it was such a big event. You look forward to it in Knoxville. So for Philip Fulmer to not be there, fans came to Philip Fulmer's defense for sure. But um, I, this is this is when I wasn't there. So I was producing for Sports Talk in Knoxville for John and Jimmy. So I was back in Knoxville. So it was a, a heated debate about what was going on. I wish I could have been there 
to experience the controversy at the time because you didn't have Twitter, you didn't have Facebook to go on to uh, to see how viral that would have been or what the reaction would have been online. But in Knoxville, just a video defending of, Philip Fulmer and, and, and people in Alabama are out to get Philip. It's just a it's just a video of a of a phone, a, a conference phone sitting on a stool in a room full of people. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it would have been. Um, so so how how did you guys? I, I interrupted you there, Josh. I apologize. Yeah. So uh, it was just the uh, the main topic of conversation the entire week, and Tennessee hasn't owned the conversation much. Uh, so that was that was at a time where Tennessee, as I mentioned, was a big deal. It was one of the biggest brands, and Philip Fulmer was the biggest names in the SEC, uh, one of the longest tenured co- tenured coaches, I'd say at the time, but that was at a really fun time with Tennessee versus Alabama. Some of it on the field, uh, some of it just off the field with the back and forth because Alabama's out to get Tennessee. You have controversy of what's going on in the recruiting world and um, Philip Fulmer looking to avoid any kind of problems that could have come his way. So uh, I I don't recall at the time if I thought he should be there or not, but uh, I know people in Knoxville would do everything they could to defend Philip Fulmer at the time, understandably so. I think any fan base would with their coach, Alabama fans would have, would have with their coach if you were in the same spot. I, I'm, I'm, I, want, I want you to tell a little bit of how you guys put it on the air. When when Fulmer came back and you ha- you had the tape, what did you, what did you guys play on air? Yeah, so uh, here's what I did, and this is young Josh. Remember, this is college Josh. Who's a, <laughs> this a little, is this is irresponsible Josh. This is not the person that you see before you today. <laughs> so this is the age of the players that I'm saying, hey, give them more of an opportunity, but they have more maturity than I did probably at the time. So and and you correct me if I have my years mixed up here. But so there there was um, a comment that he made about not having the subpoena when it turns out that he did. And later on, he got back to Knoxville and, and admitted, OK, I do have it. So I played that comment coming back in to the segment out of the break as a bumper with Phil former claiming he didn't have the subpoena. And then I played the song. Tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies coming back in. I got a little bit of uh, got in a little bit of trouble for that. Understandably so. If I had been the host, I was producing John and Jimmy's show. So Jimmy's, like, yeah, we probably shouldn't have done that. And at the time, I thought it was funny. And it probably was funny. But uh, I also it's funny. Yeah. Right now in Jimmy Heim's spot, I also would have told the producer, yeah, we probably shouldn't have done that. And, you know, some people in Knoxville maybe laughed. I know some people in Knoxville didn't, and we got some complaints <laughs> on that one. So I, I think they really appreciated the job I did for several years as a producer. But in that moment, I think I probably caused more headache or more frustration. I, I don't know if off air John and Jimmy laughed either, but uh, I know they had to they had to accept some calls from people who did not. Yeah, that is really funny. They, they can laugh now about it 15 years later. That, that's fine. Uh, I find it interesting the media attire critiques like like Cecil Hurd is one of the great reporters that's covered you know SEC football forever and looks like he has not tried to put on a new shirt in 20 years and I love the man yeah other people are wearing are dressed to the studs like to the nines like what what is the like it feels like the, and obviously this is a made for tv event now but it, it does feel like the media attire and to the to your point earlier player attire coach attire like that's almost one of the biggest stories that happens now in, in hoover yeah it is a big deal um yeah i'm so i'm spending a lot of my time on radio row you can walk through radio row and you're not going to find too many of the best dressed people that week <laughs> at media days uh and a, a lot of people probably look like they've uh taken advantage of all the free offerings that are there but if you're upstairs <laughs> if you're on tv if, if you're going to be on espn or the sec network you probably want to look a little bit better uh i Joey Galloway, I know, is one guy that he's been there and he does the the business up up top. 
but casual on the bottom. So he has the the suit top on, but he's still walking around in gym shorts because it's uh, he's sitting behind a desk. So you, you can see that in person if you want to. You you hear about it all the time. Well, that is real. You just sit there. And in, in the last year, a lot of people have probably adopted that on Zoom, right? Your, your business up top for the Zoom call, yeah. but not below. So uh, I th- you can find all kinds. So there you can probably guess, like if somebody walks through with their credential on, based on how they're dressed, which part of the media they're from. Are they from TV? Print, I think there's some good in between because you're still walking around. You might be interviewed on TV uh, th- because there's that crossover. And you, you have to, yeah, I think you have to look pretty present, uh, well represented for your organization. Radio is just however you come, that's fine. <laughs> and I, I think the expectations for us are so low that we get away with it. Well, and that, that was my goal every year I've gone is to be the best dressed person on Radio Row. And all it takes is like a dress shirt that's tucked in. <laughs> and and maybe a, I think I wore a sport coat for a couple of years while I was doing the show and everyone's like what are you doing I'm like why are you dressed like this Don't blow yeah, the my, curve, my approach is pretty simple I wear khakis or jeans and my station's polo yeah. shirt most often so I'm representing the company so you, my boss it, is going to be happy that I, that I wore the branded material that they gave me and uh, I look I look I look nice enough and I look better than most of the people that I'm going to be span, standing around if you were gonna if if we made you kind of media days czar here well, and you wanted to, to to tweak something or you wanted to to if we just gave you full control, what would you do with media days? Would you move it from 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 Alabama? I mean, maybe maybe people love going to Hoover every year. I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. I kind of have the nostalgia feel with heading to the, the Winfrey. Is that what it's still called or is it changed names? But heading down to Hoover, I, I like that hotel mall setup. I really do. Uh, it's not the best drive. I don't. Um, I'm, I'm not endorsing the drive down there through the state of Alabama. I did not like Atlanta. I thought it was cool that it was at the College Football Hall of Fame, I guess. But that was a real headache for radio people. So there's my bias coming in. But it was in two separate buildings. I didn't think that was good. Nashville's been on the list, right? I would. I would be in favor of Nashville because it's an easy drive from Knoxville. But yeah, I like it being in Hoover. I would just. I would try to figure out a way. We'd have to brainstorm here, but I would have to figure out a way that the players could have more of an opportunity to create the kind of connection with people like me. I mean, I'd like to be involved with that with the radio row standpoint, but uh, to where it is more about the players that are there, the coaches are, are always going to have their opportunity, but it comes back to what we talked about earlier, a better way for the players to showcase their personality and talk about football and uh, not just be rushed in, say as little as possible, and then rush you back to wherever you are and get a couple of photos or video shots up on Instagram and Twitter. I, I do think that, uh, it coming to Nashville, a big part of that process and, and thinking for the SEC was going to be how can we create more of an experience for for people around the media that it's not just for the thousand media and for the coaches and for the players. And I think your your point is valid. If you've got name, image and likeness and you can push the players out front, which I've asked Greg Sankey directly at SEC Media Days before, are you going to do more to allow more access for the players and from the top down? And he's very plainly said no, <laughs> but, but if you could create an event where you've got a fan fest similar to what they do in Omaha, where you can kind of have autograph sessions maybe with these players. Like to me, if we're going to go circus here and that's the event, I think the, it just needs to continue down that path with more of those ideas. And that may not be good for your job, Josh, frankly, like that may not help your, your role in this, in all of this. Well, maybe not Um, for the league. They would benefit more from that than I think what the current setup is. Also with technology, I don't think they have to worry as much about what they're doing with the different rooms that are set up. Hey, we have our 10 minutes with this team here, 10 minutes with that team there. Like ESPN, the SEC network, 
they can hop on video anytime and get access to, to more players. Like this week, there are only two players with each team. There's only so much that's going to get done with a coach and two players that are there for a few hours. So uh, if, if you're trying to fill some, fill some time between now and the start of the season, you need content. There's an endless amount of content that you can come up with, the, especially if we're talking about the SEC, the uh, the digital studios that they have set up in all these different campuses, or they can get that created between now and next summer if they want to start making plans for 2022. Uh, I would think the, the more you can make this an event, if that's what you want it to be, well, then then capitalize on that, not not put them in rooms and just try to fill up content, because a lot of that's what a lot of it is. I'm not saying that with the the hosts or the on-air talent. I, I think they're trying to make the most of it, but it's, again, it's room to room to room. So we have to fill these slots and we need to fill up this content to have something to put on TV or uh, fill up some radio time, I guess, between now and the start of the football season, you can do, you can do as much as you want And the schools. They're getting enough money from the TV contracts. They'll do anything you ask them yeah. to do between now and the start of the season. How far are we from this being a, a, a tiered ticketed event for fans? You know, that, that we put it, you know, that we put it someplace like Music City Center here in Nashville, and you you have you know X number of, of fans over a certain number of days. You, you, they almost treat it like the like the a lot of the of the professional clubs. Like I'm thinking about the Cubs. So like for, the Cubs run the Cubs convention every year, which is like a essentially a four day fan fest, a media fest, and and it becomes it comes that it becomes a lot of autograph signing and a and a lot of promotion and 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 whatever else. But it seems like. Like that's the next thing this is going to morph into. This is, is, is going to be this thing where, you know, you're going to have $250 tickets and $75 tickets and, and just all of this one, one on top of the other. Get, get players, coaches, get some musical acts that can be there yeah. uh, and have a bunch of stuff for kids. Uh, well, I don't have any inside information on anything like that happening, but I do know that, that money will speak. So if there is money to be made and you can sell tickets like that and fans yeah. want to get there and the last year would probably incentivize people um, maybe within the league office to do something like that and encourage fans to get back out whenever that would be done. If we're talking about in the next year, two years, whatever. Uh, I just know that events and the chance to be around the players and the coaches. And if there's a chance for the players to make money, they're probably going to be into doing it as well. So um, money's going to talk. And if they come up with that idea, money will probably be the, the deciding factor. You can do both. I mean, you have so much time to fill between, June and the start of the season. Why can't you do something in June and July? It doesn't have to just be <laughs> this or that. You can you can fill up the time. I can tell you, we're filling up time on the radio. So uh, they're probably doing the same in the league office. The the weekend, just like the Masters, is the weekend after the final four. Like let's just put SEC media event part one the weekend after the College World Series, and then we'll go. just we'll just do part two in 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 the middle of. It July. doesn't have to just be football. You can do football. You can do yeah. basketball, baseball. If, if yeah. baseball is a big deal in the conference, and it is, why couldn't you have an event where? Uh, I don't know if it's one event or if it's just if it's uh, tiers or stages or whatever, but you have football, football gets its slot, basketball gets its slot, you can do men's and women's basketball, they do men's and women's media days. Uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a quicker event than football, but uh, you don't have to stop with football, football is king, but baseball and basketball are a big deal too. Josh programming the SEC's conference office from now on. Uh, let's talk a little quickly here before we wrap up. We'll, we'll touch on your career. I want to go back to the day that, that, that WNML and the Sports Animal was started because I, I learned a lesson unintentionally in that moment. And I, I now know that I should have paid far more attention to it. And it's just sort of the way the radio business works. I had gotten to know a, a midday DJ on a, on a hip hop station. And I believe she was on her honeymoon after closing on a house and that station basically disappeared in the building because they had made a decision to switch to sports, which is the, the smart decision. It's the, it's the right move. 
And I just remember thinking, wow, that can happen fast. Radio moves pretty quickly. And now, 20 years later, I, it, it was a lesson that I should have taken more to heart at the time. Because again, you can literally over a weekend go from hip hop to sports talk. What was that process like uh, for you? I was obviously there too, but you were much more involved in it. What was the process like when WNML launched and you guys just sort of spun up an entire channel out of thin air? Yeah, it was a major deal. There had been um, talk, not that I was a part of the major conversations, but I'd been there for a few years at this point. So there had been talk for a couple of years that, hey, maybe someday we could go all sports. And at the time, I probably didn't realize how much I needed that to happen if I wanted to be a sports talk radio host in Knoxville, because as I mentioned, at the time, there was one sports talk show on our station. So we had WIVK, which is still around and, and still king uh, as a country music station. And then we had our news talk station with a sports talk show in the afternoon. Everything else was news talk. So news talk still exists. We spun off and, and did an all sports station. And uh, I, at the time, I was producing John and Jimmy's show, continued to do that for a couple of more years. But that gave me opportunities to then host shows on the weekend. Like I could host a a Saturday sports talk. And I hosted the lead lap, which is our NASCAR show, which is still on the air. And we created other shows. We created weeknight shows that focused on Tennessee football and then Tennessee and SEC football recruiting. So I got a chance to host those shows. And then a few years later in 08, we were looking to do more local programming. So we did some local shows, but we also were syndicated. We carried national shows and those weren't doing well. Those weren't really rating at all. So we decided to do more local and uh, it was a, a no-brainer decision, but they had to figure out who to have host these shows. And I was given an opportunity to host the 12 to 3 show, which I still do today. So if we're not an all-sports station, there's no midday show that can be created for me to do. So who knows where I would have gone at that point or what I would have done or if, if I would have stayed in radio. So now the idea of an all-sports station, it's just it's common. And we have multiple in Knoxville and there are multiple in in different cities throughout the state, Nashville and Memphis. But at the time, it was a really big deal when we went all sports on our station. We So we had an all news stock station, which we still have, and we have an all sports stock station now. Can, can you real quickly, outside of Tennessee athletics, prioritize sports interests in Knoxville for people that don't live there? Outside of Tennessee, take Tennessee off the table. Well, a lot of times they want us to probably just, uh, they want to turn the radio if we're not talking about it. But uh, I do I do think people are branching out. Like uh, this summer, there was more interest in, in Euro talk. That's not number two on the list, but pe people are starting to open up a little bit more. Uh, the next would be the NFL, and that's actually spread around. So our news talk station carries the Titans. So the Titans are a big deal, of course, in Knoxville. And that's often where we start the conversation for talking the NFL. But Cowboys, Steelers, those type teams are a, a big deal. So I would say the NFL is next. The NBA uh, doesn't do that well, I would say. I, I think you're seeing a lot of different shares go to some Major League Baseball, some NBA, but uh, it, it's so Tennessee heavy in, in terms of if, if you just look at the numbers and you look at what interests people, it's Tennessee football. Baseball got a big run because they were good, but they have to be good. If Tennessee baseball is not doing well, then there's no point in bringing them up. I'd, I'd say that with most of the other sports besides men's basketball, but it's Tennessee, 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 the NFL, and then everything else just kind of fights for some attention, depending on what's going on. Like the, the NBA in the regular season, no thanks, according to everybody. Same with Major League Baseball, I would say. Uh, the Olympics, let's see, but it, it, there has to be something going on. There has to be a storyline for people to pay attention. Otherwise, it's, hey, let's get back to Tennessee football, or let's get back to whatever the biggest storyline is with the University of Tennessee. Josh, always a pleasure to talk with you, man. Of course, WNML in Knoxville. Enjoy the rest of the week, my friend. Hey, you got it. Thanks. Good to be on with you guys. 
That was Josh Ward of WNML in Knoxville. A little uh, SEC, mostly SEC media days, of course, and, and the evolution of the not not the sports bar, but but the media days event. And of sure. course, uh, a little a little touch there on on um, I he and I were, and I can kind of expand on this a little bit. I mentioned it in the interview, but one of the lessons I learned the fastest <laughs> in this industry, maybe I didn't maybe it didn't land as hard as it should have, is on a Friday, a friend of mine went on her honeymoon after closing on a house because she was a midday DJ and came back from her honeymoon a week later and her entire station had disappeared overnight over the weekend and had become a sports talk station. And it's one of those where in radio, you just have to, you've mentioned this before, it just sort of like abruptly ends and it's just sort of the nature of the business. It sucks. And I probably should have learned that lesson when I was 20, 22. This is probably the, the way this industry works. I should have learned that lesson. Was she on contract or was she, uh, was I, she, I would not have known all. that. I, I, I have no knowledge of that situation. I just know that she, she was on her honeymoon after closing on a house and her entire radio station disappeared one, one afternoon. <laughs> wow. Media days. We kind of addressed all of it at the front end. It just, you know, if you're on, if you're with a company that has a contract obligation with the sec, you are in, you're going to get access to every coach and player. You're going to have 10 minutes with all of them. And if you are not, which is the other, which is 90% of the people there, you're scrapping and clawing to get a soundbite or a question for these coaches. And it's just, I don't think it's good for the sport. So I guess the only thing I'd say about media days is I want to try to figure out better ways to get access to players. And so if we need to have like a media days two, <laughs> that's maybe just for actual media and not for like spectacle, have it, have this over here where People can actually talk to players and and do stuff to write stories as opposed to having, you know, 500 people in a press conference that is being televised for your broadcast partner. You know, I, that, that's 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 my wish. Should, so I think a couple of Texas A&M players are being paid by a local media company in College Station for like hour long post game interviews and or something along those lines. Maybe it's pregame, maybe it's postgame. I can't remember exactly, but it's outside the confines of your normal media availability. That's where this is headed. Is is to just you're you're, you're going to pay. It'll there'll be fans available, especially when it comes to Nashville. I assume there'll be a fan fest element to this. You could probably walk in and pay to get Josh Heupel's autograph and all the players that are there from Tennessee for your kids, which is a cool thing for the kids. Media, I don't I don't know how media's worked into that. You know, they're going to sell tickets to people first before they give access to media. But if yeah. media, but if media decides to pay, if 440 Sports wanted to pay Valus Jones. For interviews after every home game or after every game this year, we could do that and sponsor it as a name, image, and likeness deal, and then we get to hear from Bayless Jones. But that's the only way we're going to get to hear from Bayless Jones this year. That might be good money. <laughs> I might, I'd like to hear from Bayless Jones more often. He was fun. I agree. I agree. All right, recommendations. I have a really sad, sad recommendation, and I have no excuse for this. We reached rock bottom in the pandemic with reality TV dating shows. Oh God. Please tell me the, it's not Love Island. And the bottom of that for us. Please tell me it's not Love Island. Was too hot to handle. The bottom of the barrel was too hot to handle. We, we started at Love is Blind. We worked our way through 90 Day Fiance. Are you the one? Like we worked our way through all of it during the pandemic. And we got to too hot to handle and realized we had a problem. But we watched it all. <laughs> we are no longer in lockdown in a pandemic. Our children are out and about at daycare. We have jobs. And yet Too Hot to Handle season two is out. Wow. And we have gone back to Too Hot to Handle. So wow. I need people to recommend therapy or a solution for me and my wife. I mean, this is my recommendation. 
that's 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 bad. That's that's really really bad. And, have and you have you tried it? Have you tried one episode? I've tried one episode. Oh my god, <laughs> I can't go back. I'm all in. I'm all in. It's incredibly attractive people wearing, I, I don't have wearing anything, no clothing. <laughs> I don't have anything against reality television. I like good reality television. I, I mean, I, I binge Top Chef. I mean, I, 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 I loved Indian matchmaking on, I guess it was on Hulu. It was was fantastic. I don't, I don't have anything against that. But, oh, my God, is this just... Yeah. I, 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 I do not watch Chef's Table the same way and for the same reasons that I watch too hot to handle uh, i can have both of those experiences in my brain and need those different experiences please, at please, different please times don't, please don't have them in the same sentence <laughs> th- th- those are those are those are uniquely different experiences yes chef's table is my favorite netflix show period of all time of all time and too hot to handle is how i forget about the world <laughs> so i want people to watch it and tell me if I've got if we've got a problem. If me and my wife have a problem, tell us. Or alternatively, you could not watch it and still tell Braden he has a problem. No, well, that's that's true too. But just tell me. I want people to tell me which one of us is correct here because I find it as I find it to be a, a beautiful cosmic train wreck that I can't take my eyes off. And and you think it's making d- people dumber, probably. Uh, it is, and 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 I don't have any trouble. I've watched train wreck television before. Okay. This is worse. There's some. There's sometimes you can't turn away from the wreck, but even I okay. could not do it. Everybody, um, everybody, check it out and tell me. Tell us who's right, Steve or me. I, I have I have two recommendations. So first recommendation is uh, my wife and I saw Roadrunner the other night. It's the new documentary about Anthony Bourdain. It is quite good. Uh, there is uh, an ethical dilemma in the middle of it in that they they had some emails that he had written to one of the people who appears in the show and they used uh, a voice generator they fed like 10 or 12 hours of his of his voice into it and so for like two or three lines you know, they used this generator of his voice it sounds just like him if, if they had not told me I, I would not have known that it was not his voice i mean although if you start to piece it together <laughs> you 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 think well he never said this out loud how am i hearing this now even though those were his actual words and there's there's a big ethical debate o- over it i'm less concerned with that piece of it i haven't still kind of have it sorted it out in my head uh, i will say that how, that how about this as long as the words are accurate that he said like he wrote them yeah you, i mean and you tell people that you're sort of computer generated it, it does that doesn't that solve the ethical problem i mean yeah, but they didn't tell anybody, and, and ah, the, okay. the that that's the problem. There's a whole genre of criticism about recreations and, and the use of recreation in documentaries. Uh, for up until this point, it's been almost entirely visual. Now you, you get into the question of like deep fakes and like how much are we right, right, right. Are, are we simulating reality and and all this? Excerpt that that snippet in that debate. The documentary is fantastic. Uh, I was a I was a fan of his television. Uh, I've read all of his books. It does not sugarcoat exactly how tortured he was and, and how his addictive personality uh, went from heroin to other things in his life. You know, he became addicted to sort of jujitsu and then he, then he became addicted to Asia right, right, or right. Asia Ar- Argento there at the end. And, and they, they do not sugarcoat that at all. Uh, so, so don't think that it's like some kind of like beautiful, Fun, lighthearted <laughs> monument to, to yeah. Bourdain. It, it shows all of his warts. 
I, w- I will say, I, I think people, myself included, do not realize the cultural significance of Anthony Bourdain. Br- bringing together people, like, it, wasn't Obama a huge Bourdain fan? And didn't they do, yeah, an, as didn't as they do fact, an episode in, in, like, Asia somewhere? So Yeah, I, it, was, it, it was in, they had, they had dinner in Vietnam one night. I, I, I just think the highlighting other places in the world for other audiences who don't get to travel there. I just think people underestimate and undervalue the cultural significance of what he was doing, not just from a food stamp, not just from a food standpoint. So also, you know, there's this whole other story that you're talking about, which is his personal story. Well, and if you're a fan of the show, I, I think the the director did a really nice job of kind of showing this evolution from being this sort of thing about the, the Cook's Tour show was, was about basically just an extent. It was a short version of him. And then... No reservations ends up being this sort of like food tour thing, and the, I, the, I think a lot of people fell in love with him. You know, he had this, he had this really strong personality, but he had real hard, he had a really hard time with the format of it. And then, but there was always tension. I mean, Travel Channel always wanted more domestic episodes. He always wanted to be shooting more stuff overseas, which is ultimately why he signed with CNN because CNN's like, great, you know, go wherever you want, right? You know, just come come back to the U.S. occasionally, but. <laughs> But if you want to shoot in Cambodia, if you want to go to Myanmar, if you want to go to Ghana or the Congo, you know, go do that. And it just kind of shows the evolution of the show along with him. It's just it's really, really interesting. I, where, I, I enjoyed the doc it? a lot. Second, where, where, where can people watch the Roadrunner? Where is it? Uh, it's on at the Belcourt right now. It, you have to go watch it. Oh, my God. How about that? Oh, my God. And we went to a theater. The Belcourt has this great thing where you can, like, buy the seat next to you so you can buy spacing. <laughs> Um, All right. How many recommendations are you going to do today? Okay. Uh, so I'm going to do one more real quick because the Olympics are upon us. 16 Days of Glory. Uh, it, we've mentioned this before. It is is playing on a couple of different networks. You know, out there right now. Um, it's the Bud Greenspan uh, documentary. Uh, that one. It's 16 Days of Glory specifically is about. LA 84 and it's fantastic. And it is such an antidote to like all of the artificial storytelling that often happens during the Olympics and kind of the forced narratives and whatever else it's, it, it's, it's a much longer view of, of these events and people and, uh, and, and the games. It's fantastic. Second thing, if you, if you have YouTube TV, no free ads here. Uh, if you have YouTube TV, they have a thing now where it says where you can go in and punch in your favorite events and it will just go record those events for you, which is great since, you know, the games are happening 12 hours off cycle here. Uh, and so, like, I woke up this morning and it's like, oh, hey, there's the U.S. women's soccer game. And it's it's like already on the DVR. And then I saw that they lost don't, 3-0. Don't, I and say, I don't watch deleted. it. <laughs> yeah, don't, 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 don't watch that game. Don't watch um, it. It's a really great feature for an off-cycle okay. Olympics. It, it's just, it's really, really handy. I'm going to end up using it a lot. So, like, advanced television watching technology, uh, really smart documentaries about you know, large sporting events and complicated people and too hot to handle. Sure. That's... Which of these things is what is not like the other one of these things. Oh, tell me I'm not wrong. It's beautiful. It's beautiful destruction. It's beautiful chaos. Uh, all right. Mainstream, Great. of course, is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by Jaspers. It's still ja- it's still brought to you by Jaspers. It hasn't, yeah. it hasn't changed. It's definitely still Jaspers. Lots of free parking, boozy popsicles. Go check it out, folks. Braden, where can people find you on the socials? You can find me at Braden Gall at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook at 440 Media on Instagram. Steve, how about you, buddy? You can find me on uh, Twitter 
at scavendish if you want to see some tomato plants go find my instagram uh at scavendish as well there you have it thank you guys all for listening whisper quietly into someone's actually just pick a stranger whisper quietly into their <laughs> ear lamestream sports <laughs> rate review and subscribe don't, don't get arrested when you do this <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys all for listening. Thanks, of course, to Josh Ward. He's Steve Cavendish. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you to Jaspers as well for making it all possible. This has been Lane Street Sports on the 440 Sports Network. <laughs>